Lordy Lordy, it's episode 40. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places, My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about two, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Sheep lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-legged, and now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, 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 blah. No, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's right. We have lost our damn minds. This is Two True Freaks, and we are doing the first of what we hope to be a semi-regular, sort of half-assed, recurring segment that we don't have a name for. So this is also our announcement of the first Two True Freaks contest, which will be Name This Segment. Just something that uh, seems to fit the whole paranormal, super whatever-the-hell thing that we're going to discuss so anyway this topic this time around we are going with the ufo phenomenon slash ancient aliens you know did uh did space people visit the earth in the distant past and joining i'm scott gardner by the way and joining me is my best friend my lifelong friend my uh co-freak if you will a man who is regularly and repeatedly anal probed by little green men, little black men, little yellow men, you know, little men in prison, that sort of thing. Chris Honeywell. <laughs> I don't well, I don't know if it's regularly probed or probed to keep regular, but either way it works out. GMI. People really, you know, people really have given the probe the probe thing a, a bad rap. And you know, if you if you get along well with the aliens, they'll they'll, for the most part, erase your memory uh, during those sensitive times. You know, so it's not so bad. 
If you say so, dude. If you say so. <laughs> hey, ask Sulu. He knows. <laughs> oh my. It's yeah. A running gag. So anyway, gag. what 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 brought this about? Um, this probing topic. <laughs> as we <laughs> we wanted to probe to the probe bottom to the, of the probe for the truth. Oh. We'll get to the bottom of this one. Well, I, I think I speak for both of us when I say that we've had a lifelong interest in, you know, the, the paranormal, the, you know, this whole, you know, mysterious oh, phenomenon yeah. type of thing, you know, Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and UFOs and whatever. And, but this one in particular, you know, the whole thing with, you know, UFOs and alien visitations and, the ancient astronauts, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't know where exactly, you know, I, I got interested or we both got interested in it, but I've always been interested in it. And uh, recently I was, you know, flipping channels and there was this thing on, uh, I think it was the History Channel, Ancient Aliens. And it, it's, I think it's a couple of years old. I don't think it was a brand new program, but it was the first time I had seen it. And it had, you know, like George Norrie, who I used to listen to quite regularly on Coast to Coast. It had Michael Cremo and a couple of these other guys who, you know, I, I was kind of sort of familiar with who they were and, you know, what their what their shtick is and all that as far as uh, their take on, you know, the the ancient past and uh, alien, you know, ancient alien visitations and, you know, maybe possible connections to Mars and all that. But this was one of the better ones I had seen. I thought it was really well produced. It didn't come off as sensationalistic. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't goofy. You know what I mean? It didn't come off as, uh, you know, pointing the finger going, oh, what a bunch of loonies, but it also didn't it wasn't drinking the Kool Aid either. Kool Aid drinker, you know? yeah. I yeah. Know exactly so it was. What you it mean. was a nice balance between the two. I mean, I think it definitely leaned more towards, yeah, we buy this, than it did towards the skeptic angle. But it gave the skeptics their say as well. So I, I you know, I thought it was it was very, uh, to use a, a, another station's term, it was very fair and balanced Ooh. to you know to a certain point. Oh my. So. I really enjoyed it, and it, it got me to thinking a lot about, you know, you and I had both, you know, expressed an interest in, in maybe getting into this on the show sometime, and I, I just thought, you know, now is the time. Well, to, what's to really, really funny is I've been waiting for you to get around to it, because you, we, we talked about <laughs> this before, and you were kind of skittish about it. You were like, well, I don't know if people want to know my opinion, opinions on that. And no, it is, it is a lot that. like religion, actually. Is that this, this, this angle of it is much safer for me. You know, uh-huh. the, the whole ancient alien things is, is different from, you know, the you you know the UFO topic as it pertains to, you know, the here and now. Because I'd like to do a follow up to this show where we talk more about, you know, some of the other things that have. I'm sure I'll be bringing up my, some of that you know? stuff at least tangentially to today too i'm sure i'll touch upon a lot of that stuff because i gotta say this topic i would say i am way more qualified to talk on this topic than almost anything else we've talked about on this show at this up to this point except for maybe star wars and even even that you know i mean there's people that can just you know crush me on say star wars trivia or you know the minutiae of star wars but and I'm sure there's people can crush me on the minutia of of uh, UFO lore and all that. But by the same token, I've really been 
you know, ever since I was a little kid. And I can sort of pinpoint where my interest came from. And it, it started out with the, probably where yours did to where a lot of people did with uh, Chariots of the Gods, which I found through... A, remember back in the day they used to show them at the movie theaters? They'd come around the Sun Classic Pictures. They were trashy documentaries. Yes. Bigfoot, the mysterious monster, you know, the UFO mystery, and, uh, a, you, know, anci- you know, ancient astronauts. They would have, a, you know, these really um, spurious, logical movies. You know, they were completely made for little kids, and they had, you know, no... I don't want to say they had no basis in reality, but they had really no compunction against making, you know, wild claims and assumptions, leaps of logic that were just ridiculous. But they were very entertaining. And when I was a kid, the ads for them just sucked me in. You know, I would beg my parents to take me to see them. My mom was not into it, but my dad would be like, sure, I'll go see that. You know, that that should be entertaining. And, you know, well, they would always go to Atlantis. Or the, the, there was one about the Bermuda Triangle. And I remember reading Charles... Berlitz. I think it's Berlitz's Bermuda Triangle book, and that led into uh, Chariots of the Gods. I remember having both of those books around well, the I, house. On that read. subject of, of Berlitz, that's something I would definitely like to get into You know, in one of the, our follow-ups is uh, not so much the Bermuda Triangle, but Berlitz wrote another book um, later that was uh, – trying to remember – it has a, 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 a subtitle, and I can't remember what it is, but it's basically the story of the Philadelphia experiment. Sure. I'm really big about the Philadelphia experiment, and I, brother, and got, <laughs> the I, things I, I could. Uh, if we did a show on the Philadelphia experiment and the uh, and the the strings that come off that into the Montauk project, into Ang's hat, and stuff like that, I'm really ape for that stuff. Oh yeah, and, and that all and. You know, all this stuff can be tied together. It all has X-Files-like tendrils that all meld together and blur. You know, the lines are between ufology and interdimensional science and and the Philadelphia Experiment and Project Paperclip and MKUltra. And they all just sort of blur together. Yep. If you just follow all of them long enough... You know, a lot of the players cross, and a lot of yes, the, absolutely, lot of the ideas cross, and uh, and it gets you know it gets crazy. You know, from the point of like where you go from, you can go from New Age religions and philosophies right into ufology, depending on you know what what aspect you want. Yeah, to follow. I think so too. Well, you know, you had, you mentioned uh, chariots of the gods, and then you mentioned vast leaps in logic, and that that leads me into one of the things I wanted to talk about uh-huh. was uh, was the author uh, Eric von Daniken. Yes, now, I like the guy, and he was he was a big he's uh, a good author. He was a big center point of that documentary that I just saw. You know, and and I you know I've read chariots of the gods. I've got several of the sequels to those. He's got about seven I've, or eight of them. Oh yeah, there's a whole slew of them, and I picked a bunch of them up years ago, and because of that documentary, got interested in actually reading the sequel books that that I hadn't, you know, I've had them sitting on a bookshelf for years, but never actually cracked the cover on any of them. So I started reading the next one in line, which is I think called Return of the Gods, uh-huh. and uh, 
I'm not very far into it, but right off the bat, I got the same impression from it that I kind of did from the documentary that I watched, which was I really like the guy. He's very entertaining. However, I think when he wrote Chariots of the Gods, he was very sincere in the fact of, um, you know, as he's always claimed that, look, I'm not giving answers. I'm not making assumptions. I'm, just I'm asking simply questions. asking questions. Well, that was true, I think, for the very first book, for Chariots of the Gods. And then but he sort of grabbed soon, it and ran with it after that. Yeah, well, as soon as it became an international phenomenon and this guy became like, you know, like a, like a, almost like a cult leader type of figure, sure. I think he, he fell, you know, susceptible to the dark side and, uh, and has allowed himself to be roped into that role of of father of a movement and that, that's a shame because well, he actually lost a lot of credibility when he allowed that to happen i don't think he sees it i don't think he sees himself as the father figure well, of of some sort of movement but that that oh, is he sure the, does he sure yeah. does you know he you know he built a theme park <laughs> oh yeah in europe he, and it closed after like three or four years or something Mr. like that. Mr. Park or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. And and um, and you know, but I mean, <clears throat> I I remember this has to be oh about fifteen years back, ten or fifteen years back. Nova on PBS did a a show on on ancient astronauts or on the idea of ancient astronauts, and they spent a good deal of time debunking specifically von Daniken and they painted him as a charlatan and as not as much as of a charlatan but as somebody who really had no knowledge of archaeology and the history of the peoples that he you know he would go to these sites but he had no you know historical knowledge he would go in there as just a clean you know I'm keeping my mind a clean slate on this well that was that's you know, uh, I guess it's an honorable way of thinking in some ways, but in other ways, it made him misinterpret a lot of. You know, the one of the things that, that made the biggest impression on me is it's the classic picture. It was in the, you know, the center section of Chariots of the Gods. It was one of the centerpieces of the. And I remember as a kid, you know, seeing that was almost like the the clincher. You know, when I saw that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, exactly what he's saying. You know, how could this be anything but what he was saying? And it's it's the Mayan um, god or priest, and he's sort of lying in a rocket ship sort of thing. It looks like with plumes of smoke coming off it and a foot on a pedal and his hand, you know, on the controls. And, he, and, and it looks like a rocket ship. He's sitting in a rocket ship taking off a sort of stylized depiction of a rocket ship and i know this, exactly what you're talking oh, about yeah, I think it's, it's a, like a sarcophagus cover or something like it's that, a sarcophagus it? cover and to this day they still people when they're doing um you know a news broadcast about it or a documentary like not not in this specific history channel one that you just saw but in other ones that i've seen they always quote you know they always show this picture and they're like you know, does this depict a blah, blah, blah? Well, actually, the answer is no, it doesn't. And the, a lot of the questions that he posed in Chariots of the Gods, there were archaeologists who just jumped right up and were like, well, we have an answer. We can, you know. And that picture they broke, I remember they broke the whole picture down and they would light up, you know, certain parts of it and say, well, this part of it, you know, here is Quetzalcoatl and Quetzalcoatl's doing this. 
And you know, this is they they explain the whole story that was being depicted in that. And you know, and the guy in the center was the god, this and this, and his hands were forming one symbol which meant eternity, and one, you know, so it had all this symbolic meaning. And you know, this is the blah 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 tree that was you, the you know that they grew a lot of their food on, and so there's a depiction of this and this on either side of it. And they broke it all down and said, this is you know what this means. And if Von Daniken had just done some research. Instead of looking at it and said, oh, that looks like a rocket ship. And as soon as you say that looks like a rocket ship and somebody else sees it, you know, there's a, that power of suggestion gives them a little extra impetus to see it as a rocket ship too. But, now, all this being said, I don't think this, it might debunk Von Daniken, but it doesn't debunk the idea of ancient astronauts. It just shows that Von Daniken had some good ideas. He was just a shitty scientist. He didn't really, you know, bother to to back it up with with the 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 needed work it was. He's he was more of a PT Barnum, you know, he was more about right, getting, yeah, exactly. getting, well, that... getting the idea out and getting it you know, and and I mean, they caught him. They caught him with a couple things that he like totally faked. And he said, "Hey, you know, if I didn't fake it, people wouldn't believe me." And you know, he he's a couple of those books he wrote, of course, you know, from jail <laughs> while he was in jail for various. And this is funny because we were having a conversation about fraud the other day. But he's been indicted for fraud a few times and has spent a few of had a couple jail terms. I think the first time he got got in trouble was when he was a kid in the Boy Scouts he got caught embezzling money <laughs> so well, it's he's... Funny the introduction to the book I'm reading right now made some mention of, of that and I thought it was a joke or something I really didn't I thought <laughs> no. it was some sort of in joke you know no <laughs> well it's actually funny it is an in joke an in prison an in prison joke but you well, know. I, I, the problem is that you know, like you say, you know, he, he makes a shitty scientist. Well, the guy was never a scientist to begin with. Right. He, he really should have stuck with the idea of, I'm going to ask the questions. Let the the scientists and the archaeologists and whoever come forward and and address the questions. But he should have stuck with simply asking the questions right. and never trying to to make the assumptions. Because I watch him now, and it's entertaining and it's likable as he is. You know, he he comes across. You know, it, it's annoying to me when he comes across and says, "You know, it, you know, this is proof of ancient. How could it be anything else?" You know, exactly. I, look at, I look at like little statue, cla- uh, uh, statue, uh, uh, clay statuary that they'll show and they'll go, well, "Look, this obviously depicts a guy." You know, and here's the breathing tube, and here's the space sh- sure. shoot, and here's the helmet, and I look at it and go. I don't know, Maybe. you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So, you know, by doing that, I think he destroys his sure. credibility and, and any, but I'm telling you people, that's that, not what people want to hear. People want to hear, they want to hear, you know, that's why, that's why the history channel one skews more towards believing it. People want to, people want to believe the. You know, I mean, I know, I know the feeling. It's that it's it's right out of the X Files with David Duchovny's "I want you know, um, I want to believe I want to believe" poster and his, you know, you you right. that the the stuff is fascinating and it would be great for it to be true. Now that being said, you know, still there's always a, another part of 
your brain that's the skeptic part. Well, hopefully, in mine there is, there's definitely a big skeptic part that takes anything and says, well, you know, now UFOs, I always lean more, I now lean completely towards believing in UFOs because I've seen a few of them on different occasions and different, completely different looking UFOs but each time, you know, completely to the point of where, and you know, you grew up in the same part of the the New York that I did, right next to a military base that right. has a lot of a lot of like helicopters and jets and everything flying over your house constantly. I mean, the sound of a jet going over was nothing compared, you know, of of a, like an F-14 or something or whatever that, you know, of a of a battle jet going boom over your house wasn't that big a deal where we grew up and helicopters were commonplace so when you see something that's not flying like a plane or a helicopter you really take notice of it and you can and and um you know i've had my history of experimenting with the legal substances but i don't think there was ever a time that i saw a ufo that i was ever on, you know, I, a couple the the first couple of UFOs were even before any kind of experimentation with drugs and alcohol. All I had then was to skew my brain was my own imagination, which was bad enough. But you know, I mean, once once you see, you know, I'm sure if I was in the woods and I saw Bigfoot, that's it. Nobody's going to talk me out of it, you know. So it's the, it's the same with UFOs now. As to where they come from and what they're doing, that's that's one thing about any any of this, and and I understand with shows like the Art Bell Show and stuff like that, it's way more entertaining to to just you know when you have a guest on to completely sort of go into their world, you know, to sort of absorb that whole thing and go, all right, you know, I'm just gonna accept everything they say for this show. Play and along. I, yeah, and I'm not going to hold their feet to the fire because I want to do a friendly interview with them, and it's an entertainment show that people people want to call up and hear what this guy has to say, and that's entertainment. But you know, I mean, you have to sort of if you want the grist for that. So you know, it's just like um, one glaring example of Art Bell was the guy who um, would have the rod. What they call the rods? Do you remember this? The, oh yeah. There's rods flying around in the air, and you know if you if you can sort of disengage your eyes, you can see them floating around in the air. And I'm like, yeah, like the things you see floating in your eyeballs. And we've got video. You know, we were we were I think they were base jumping into a cavern or something, and these things were flying up out of the cavern, and we didn't see them at the time, but they came out on the video, and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, this is fascinating, and you know. If, you know, hey, maybe these guys are on to something or whatever. So you go and look at their video. And being, you know, a film school graduate, having shot thousands and thousands of hours of video, I immediately saw their video and was like, oh, that's video of a bug that's very close to the camera and out of focus and flying really fast. So you get this streak that goes by. And it's a little wonky because the autofocus on on those cameras will go will wobble a little bit with something sort of flying close to it you know it sort of adjusts the and then frame by frame analysis and blah 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 and i've seen people do that in ghost chasers too who are like in a cemetery and they're like 
Look at this. This is a ball of energy that we picked up on our... We didn't see it, but we picked it up on our camera. And it's like, yeah, it's a bug flying very close to the camera and getting caught in the light, you know? So it's blurry. So it looks like a ball of energy. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna rein us in and try, <laughs> and try to bring us back Back to, to the ancient astronauts. Well, we're, yeah. sort of, we're, we're sort of laying our ground of skepticism here. Well, anyway, I mean, I at the same rate, I mean, I don't want to come across as, as a skeptic because when it comes to this subject, um, I, I, you, you have to tread lightly because you don't want to come across as sounding like, you know, you buy everything right. that goes with any of these, you know, paranormal things, hook, line, and sinker. But when it comes to the ancient astronauts, I, I, I'm, you know, I err on the side of, yeah, I think there's something to it. But you had said something about the, you know, I want to believe and all that, and that people, you know, get into things like Von Daniken and everything because they have a a, 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 a need to believe. Why do you think that is? I mean, why do you it's think like people... It's like when people want to know where we came from. They want to know the answers to why we're here. And that's the same reason they're attracted to religion. And the scientists are starting to find there's a part of the brain that clings to stuff that, that like, will explain things. Because it, it somehow evolutionarily gives you an advantage to have a belief system. Um, possibly, maybe it has something to do with you know having a, a personality. You know, if you if you have if you can grab onto some belief system, it keeps you from being suicidal. You know, um, but you know people people want to know where we you know where we came from and what the answers are to the. You know, as they ask in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Life, the Universe, and everything. They want to know. And, yeah, I, I and think that's what it plays to as well. fills that. Ancient, you know, UFO stuff fills that. New, you know, New Age stuff fills that. You know, people find all kinds of stuff to fill that I, I don't know about the average person, but I know for me personally, you know. It makes more every, sense. Everybody at some point in their life has to face the fact that, you know, you're not going to live forever. You know, that that, that your existence is going to come sure. to an end one way or the other. Sure. And while I do believe that, that in some form or other we go on, the thought that we may not and the thought that I could one day expire and not get an answer to what the, what the fuck was this all about? You know, what what was the story here? That scares me, and I think oh, I maybe know. it scares I know that a lot of people. Annoy the hell out of you, man. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that that may be at the root of what this is all about. That people, like you sure. say, they want to believe, but also, I don't know if it's so much they want to believe as they just want to know. They want an answer. People uh -huh. don't want to, to, you know, some people want to, an to leave some the world people... and not know. You some know? people wanted to give them a structure. Some people it gives them a structure, knowing what it is or. You know, having the aliens, you know, oh, I believe this, so I read this book by this person who channels this alien and this alien, you know. Sometimes it's like religion. You have something to guide you through life. So you can sort of give up a bit of your control and say, this is what's above me. You know, this is what I'm going to follow. I found well, The problem my with truth. that is that it's wide open to abuse. Oh, there. yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's where we get into back into fraud. That's where I think... Yeah. Like if you're if you're gonna like, you know, like Bernie Madoff, prison, <laughs> ruining old ladies' lives financially because it's this. But you know, I think people that fall for like religious and cult-like stuff, 
Yeah, I don't think there's too much legal recourse with them because you can't really, you know, you can never really prove that those people, you can't, as, as much as you can't prove that they're right, you can't prove that they're wrong either. So you'd have a hard time proving that the Sun Young Moon is wrong in a court of law. So, so the, you know, and, and, and accordingly, you know, religions are rewarded for, for doing that sort of thing and cults and weird sketchy things and and the people who exploit UFOs and and all that you know and I think a lot of the people who claim to have answers about any of this stuff are exploiters you know because they know if they claim to have answers you're always gonna snare a certain amount of people in the net who are gonna be like answers yes you know no matter how ridiculous your answers are well, that's my personal take on uh, you know that's as far as I go into any of this. It's it's why I eventually lost my interest in because I used to be really into like coast to coast AM, you know, the sure. Art Bell show and listening to George Norrie and all that. I used to really enjoy that. You know, I, I followed particular guests, got very excited when particular people were going to be on there and everything. Yeah. But I eventually just kind of lost complete interest in it when I realized that more and more often these people were coming on the show not to just, you know, give some new piece of evidence or or talk up some, you know, interesting point or something that had occurred to them, but more and more often they were coming something and outright proclaiming, I have the answer. I know exactly yeah. what the hell's going on with, you know, phenomenon B. And it's like, yeah, fuck you, dude. I don't believe you until you drag Bigfoot on the air on the evening news or until, you know, the aliens land and walk off and go, here's what we're here for. Don't tell me you've got the answer because, I, you know, I, while I may want to believe, I, I, you know, I'm still going to be very much a I've got my ideas and we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But more and more of these these guests would show up on there. And well, the the one that really, I I really liked his take, and I really believed a lot. You know, his his personal story paralleled my personal beliefs and my personal theory of where the whole thing is headed. To a point, right? Was um, Lear? Uh, is from it John the, Lear? Yeah, it's, from the son the, of the Learjet creator. Yeah, and. But, you know, every time he would come on, it got more fanatical. It got right. more away from, let me tell you what I dug up, to let me tell you what's definitely the story, what's definitely going right. on. And it got to some loony, loony places. And uh, and that's when I just kind of said, you know, this is actually becoming like a cult yeah. type of thing. And they always and, start out by saying, I know this is going to some loony places, and you're going to think I'm insane, but just bear with me. <laughs> it's that, that's insane. the problem is that, yeah, when, when you start to, you have to, you have to have a, a very good personal bullshit filter. And I yeah. don't think a lot of people do. A lot of people will get into something, be it a, a cult or a religion or believing in aliens or whatever, and they'll get so sucked in and things will seem to parallel their, their own personal belief system so well that they'll allow themselves, 
you know, very, I don't know if it's consciously or subconsciously or, or whether it's easy or whether it's a struggle, but they will allow themselves to be be sucked right along. You know, they'll, they'll just continue the ride to, you know, some people will one day wake up and go, what, how did I get here? And then other people won't. Other people will end up, you know, dead of poison waiting for the fucking UFO before, you know, behind the comet, you know, so sure. it's. It's scary to me that 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 it can get to oh, that yeah. degree. But you know, I, I like to think that while I have my own personal beliefs and my own personal views and and a little bit of my own personal evidence of what the hell's going on with all this, I also have a an excellent bullshit detector that yes. you know goes off when people tell me that you know that the whole thing behind this is that there's a secret soul catcher on the dark side of the moon yep. and that's what the fucking aliens are up to is that when we expire they're just collecting our what and you Don't. know what that's not even something you just you just shit out your ass right now i remember that that that's, storyline coming your story. out yeah, that was the last time I listened to Lear because <laughs> I got interested in him because he came on the air once and basically laid out. Yeah, and I can tell you, he can, from, he, he, his approaches. I'm somebody who's been behind the scenes, right? And this I've is met as the far as I can. Know. This is as far as I can venture in into the modern UFO thing. I know from personal experience that his story about basically how the policies got laid out right post world war ii post roswell on how the united states deals with alien technology that story is perfectly on the fucking level hey well let's but, co- let's come back with what that story is let's, let's right. go to a break and we'll come back with that with that story and, and then and then we'll cover john lear's big butt because you know Dottie, everybody's got a big butt
world. It is my utmost privilege to announce to you that these little green men actually do exist, for they are part of the eternal past and venture from all regions of our galaxy to find homage in our Earth's center. Governments of the world have been very good at concealing these little visitors and preparing the public with loving movies and pleasant melodies. You see, like this one. You hear that? Yes, controlled media has to cushion the impact of the arrival of our little friends. Throughout history, many people have claimed to see strange lights in the sky. The truth of the matter is that these lights and beings will only reveal themselves to those who are pure at heart. For these enlightened aliens leave permanent and printed information on the psyche of those chosen humans only to be revealed to our deteriorating planet at the point at which our civilization shall enter the new age of light without heat. back and we were going to talk about John Lear's big butt and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you take it from there well basically the thing with with Lear the the, the thing that fascinated me for a time with him and up right. to a point was this was 
this was several years ago. This was going way back to a discussion on the Coast to Coast AM show. This was back when Art Bell was was doing the show between Art and John Lear about um, what if the government actually disclosed what they knew about UFOs and aliens and the whole abduction phenomenon and cattle mutilations and all that shit. What if they disclosed that to someone? What would the disclosure document basically contain? What what would be re- revealed if it were ever all revealed? And Lear laid it all out. Exactly what the hell has been happening at least since say the 30s or 40s. Right. What exactly has been going on? What are these... What's the government up to? What are these creatures up to? What is the agenda here? And it's both fascinating and frightening and to a very large degree, it, the fucking shit's true. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, it plays a very close parallel to exactly what the hell is going on and what they've been covering up all this time and why they don't want people to know. Coincidentally, I'll just say that uh, this document and the things laid out in it are exactly why I am a huge, huge opponent, not proponent, but opponent to disclosure. I am not one of the people that says we have a right to know you know, they need to just come clean and let people know, no, I, I've never, well, I may have for a time when I was younger and much more naive, I may have believed that. I think that there is an excellent reason why, uh, you know, the United States government at least is keeping this shit under their hat or trying their very best to. Right. And keeping it away from the people because it comes down to this. If you knew the world was coming to an end. I mean, conclusively fucking knew that, say, a week from now, it was all over with. What would you do? I mean, what? how the fuck could you function? You know, what crazy shit might you pull? You right. know, who might you kill? Who might you rob? Who might you rape? Now imagine the other <laughs> six... So that's my three options? <laughs> No, I'm just saying, uh, now yeah. imagine the other six yeah. billion assholes that you share the, the, the planet with Who might not have access well. to the exact <laughs> same information. That they know right. that 50 years from you know 1947 or whatever, that the world was coming to an end. Or that the, you know, the, the aliens were going to be done with their little experiment and they might come wash out the fucking Petri dish. That's the shit that the government, in my opinion, is sitting on. Right. That's the that's the info they don't want you to know. And they don't want you to know it because they don't want a mass fucking panic on their hands. Now, that idea has been laughed off by a lot of people going, ah, we could handle... What they're thinking of is the religious aspect. And I do yes. agree that because of the conditioning we've had since, say, since Star Trek came along, that suddenly... You know, we got away from the idea in the 50s that all the aliens were going to come and eat us or fucking kick right. our ass or take the planet right. away from us or whatever. We've gotten away from that idea and we've gotten much more used to Star Trek and E.T. and Starman and whatever, where, yes. you know, ALF, where they're coming here to 
befriend us or help us or joke with us or live with us or whatever. Well, they're more advanced, so therefore they're more ethical and, and you know, smarter and spiritual than us. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I'm going to get back to that. But my, my, my point was is that, and I think this is largely why the Vatican very not long ago they they came right out and, and declared that the idea of extraterrestrial life does is not in direct conflict right. with the Bible and a belief in God. But it's because people have become used to the idea that, you know, there more than likely is extraterrestrial yes. life. Most people believe it. Most people, yes. you know, it's anytime anybody makes a poll... You're usually sitting at like at the low end, 67 percent to the high end, like 80 to 85 percent of people believe that there's extraterrestrials. The same, you know, right about the same proportion of people that would say that they believe that there's a God. Right. Actually, you know, which is makes sense to me. You know, as, as as far as I'm concerned, that seems about right. But the point I was trying to make was about the the religious panic that has been predicted by so many, especially proponents, actually, of disclosure. Is they're referring back to, I can't remember the name of the report, but there was a report that came out based largely off the panic that happened back in 19, what was that, 38 or thereabouts with War of the Worlds on the Worlds. radio? And they refer back to that religiously, you know, if you'll excuse the, the, the pun, because they, they, they still point to that model of that's, you know, that what would, that's what right. would happen. But a lot of that was based on what they, what they believed was religious panic, that people couldn't handle suddenly their, their religion and their belief system being turned on its ear. Right. Well, that was... You know, that was, what, 70 years ago. And since that time, through things like I said, like Star Trek and E.T. and shit like that, people have gotten used to the idea. People have become accustomed right. to the idea. And there are actually actual theologians, actual you know priests and reverends and what have you that embrace the idea and, and that believe in the idea uh -huh. and uh, you know have even written – there's a book that I, I'm – desperate to track down i'd really like to check it out it's something the title something similar to like the bible and ufos or the bible and aliens or something written right. by a clergyman basically saying that no that the two don't have to be mutually exclusive right. so once these proponents of disclosure realize that the the world has changed you know in that aspect they got to thinking that well no Maybe people won't totally lose it. Maybe people won't totally freak out. And so now they, they've pushed that much harder for the disclosure, you know, using the mantra that, you know, we can handle the truth. The problem is, is that, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for because the truth, I don't believe, is anything resembling what they think the truth. They think the truth is simply that there's aliens They've at one time or another, whether it's the ancient past or whether it was last week, have visited the Earth, and that's pretty much it. It's well, not that's very complicated. Not it. 
Yeah, it's a hell of a lot more complicated that than that. They've been coming here for a long time. They have a long-term agenda here, and the ramifications and, and the reasons behind that agenda are positively fucking frightening. And that's why the government Potentially demoralizing. Want... Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's to the point, like I said, that if, if, if suddenly it were known, I, I think that the, the panic that was predicted by this, this War of the Worlds-based report is, is child's play compared to what it really would be. I mean, societies would would collapse over. I mean, you would you would have a, a literal apocalypse scenario that people would flip the fuck out uh -huh. because because that's how big the, it, the, it comes down to. You know, the human race on a cosmic level, you know, and we've already gotten a taste of how insignificant we are. When Apollo 8 came around from behind the moon for the very first time and snapped that famous picture where Earth was a marble, you right. know, and we started to get an inkling of, you know what, we might think we're big shit because we build, you know, great, you know, monuments and great buildings and great cities and we, you know, we create beautiful music and whatever on the cosmic scale. I mean, when you consider, you know, here all we did was step back as far as our moon. Step back to the next solar system away from us, you know, like Alpha Centauri, and look at us. Fuck, we're nothing but a speck. Right. You know, I mean, that's just an inkling of how insignificant we are. And these beings or people or whatever the hell they are that are coming here, very likely are treating us exactly that way because not only are, are they so much more far advanced than us and so far above us on a on an evolutionary scale but you know there's every evidence and there's every likelihood that they created us or at least had some sort of hand in either the creation process or the evolutionary process you know maybe they didn't outright make us but at some point they've had something to do with where we went from you know if you believe in evolution you know when, where we went from primates to people yeah somewhere in that process they've had a hand i'll i'll, I'll pretty much say this I'll just say I definitely believe in evolution. <laughs> I'll I'll go on the the line and say that. I'll say I'll say science isn't perfect, but I definitely believe evolution happens and I don't think evolution actually is mutually exclusive with religion or UFOs. You know, I think it could happen, you know. But yeah, there are a good amount of people that don't believe in evolution and that's that's a fun that's fun, Well, I'm not saying I I, I didn't mean it to, as Yeah, yeah. Well, but I, you're I just trying to be as far as uh, not believing or, right. or what, I, I, my my personal here's here's my take on evolution in in a in a quick nutshell is that did we start as apes and we became men? No. Is there evolution as far as people and animals have the ability to adapt to their surroundings and their environments? Absolutely, I, I think that's self evident. But I have a lot of trouble believing that you know my distant ancestors you know had tails and swung from trees. I, I think have. That's a 
silly. <laughs> See, I have no problem believing that. Just wa- just walking down the street every day <laughs> confirms oh. it to me 100%. Oh. <laughs> I, send your complaints to Chris Honeywell. Oh, yeah, I... send your complaints because I'm saying that about every single goddamn one of you primates out there. Every single one of you that I see out there, every single person I look at face-to-face, day-to-day, I'm looking at a fucking monkey. And when I look in the mirror, the next one of you primates even touches me. Well, you know, when you when you say it that way, you have a damn good point. But no, what I'm... Well, the reason I don't believe that is, for one thing, uh, I'll just be honest, I don't want to believe it. But also, I, I think that it comes down to... I think it comes down to, you know, you said that they don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. I don't think that they are either. I don't think religion. I don't think the idea of creationism. I don't think evolution. I don't think that they have to be mutually exclusive. However, my take on creationism is the, you know, I believe in the basics of it, that yes, the human race was actually created. I don't think we sprang from amoeba and eventually evolved to monkeys that eventually evolved to people. I think that the human race, not necessarily as we exist right now, but I think somewhere along the line was manufactured for someone's agenda, be it God, be it aliens, be it, you know, whatever, Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I just want to say I'm going to reach out to one specific listener right now and say, Mike Cross, I know your head is exploding right now. We're, we're going to definitely get some, a message from our biologist uh, listener. But that'll be between you and him. <laughs> we'll share that for a follow-up in our next show. But um, I, I, I generally... I can, I can, I, I, I think it's pretty like evolution, like even from apes to, to humans is sort of been, I think it's pretty much been proved scientifically over an, enough times for me to, to believe it. But there's, well, weird, the, here's, yeah, here's, here's a weird thing that I just have been learning about. Have you ever heard of uh, something called um, uh, the non-coded se- gene sequences? that we have in our DNA or uh, it's also known as junk DNA. Yes. And um, a good s- section of our um, gene sequences is the so-called junk DNA. And um, now we're, we're going to go into a logical leap here that I don't really understand. But um, by the way I understand it, this, uh, this, this DNA is just sort of like junk material that that doesn't really seem to do anything it's not you know like they found okay this is your dna that that regulates wait, wait, wait this minute, enzyme minute. or whatever you know. are you talking about alabama the the band <laughs> <laughs> no i'm the state was that a primate joke <laughs> no uh, but um we have all this we have all this genetic information that seems to be just sort of junk information, information that's, um, say, turned off. It's not doing anything, but it's there. It's like taking a ride on ev- all DNA, plant, animal. It's 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 in all the DNA in the world, and it's a good chunk of it is just sort of sitting there not doing anything. And um, scientists have been sort of perplexed as to to what it is, but um, this one 
one guy, I think his name is Sam Chang. His last name's Chang. He he works at the um, Human Genome Project. So he's not, you know, a conspiracy theorist. Well, maybe he is, but he's a scientist that works that's been working on the Human Genome Project. And um, they they actually the Human Genome Project actually put out a press release. It was in the and it got a little play as a sort of joke on like Fox News and and um, you know CNN. You know the the sort of cable network news is it, it got a little and some of the local channels would have a sort of jokey story where they were saying that probably about 90% of that that non-coded genetic sequences was alien. And when they said alien, I thought they meant, you know, non-human, you know, it was like, okay, we got some some, you know, chunks of insect DNA in there or some, you know, something like that that that, you know, maybe got rejected cuz it's not doesn't work with humans or whatever. But no, he's saying actually extraterrestrial that a lot of this these genetics are seem to point to an extraterrestrial genetic pro- process where his theory was he and here's another case where he's like saying this is what happened which instantly sets off my bullshit meter but this is what he said he thought that um to my understanding of what he said I'm paraphrasing everything cuz I don't have an article in front of me but, because um, we don't bother to fact check on this show. No, we we just do some general. We, but all this fact checking can be done afterwards by people who are curious, which is what people should do anyway. But that's you for know, shows that have a ho- hell of a lot more time on their hands, or any for the kind pre-show. of sense of responsibility, or anything like that. So, <laughs> but anyway, his theory was that that our the the genetic basic genetic like the broad strokes of genetics for life on Earth were just sort of plopped here. And uh, and maybe that they were in kind of a hurry because they were maybe seeding a bunch of planets with the, with this genetic structure. So a lot of it was very coarse and made to just sort of okay, this doesn't work. Shut down. Shut down. Shut down. But there's other people. You know, there's other things. It could be. Um, it could be. It, that could be maybe the aliens' genetic code. You know, and maybe they're just using us to keep life replicating and carry along their, you know, their genetic code on our DNA, you know, doing nothing until as of a time where they might need it. Or it could be that stuff is all stuff that, um, you know, maybe it's our, maybe it's powers that we don't have yet, you know, a la heroes where all of a sudden that, DNA is going to, at some point in evolution, that DNA will get activated and all of a sudden we can lift boulders with our minds. You know, who knows? I, but it's Sweet. A, I claim x-ray vision. Yeah. I got that. I want no. flying, man. But, you know, hey, yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's coming from the Human Genome Project. That's coming from a think tank full of scientists who are not usually the people who jump on, like, this is alien DNA sort of stories. So... I found what do you that want to bet that guy got laid off pretty quick after that interview on, on Fox and CNN and all that? Oh, he He's did, probably on the unemployment line right now. I don't even know. I haven't been able to find, like, an interview with him. I haven't been able to, like, find a picture of him. It was a sort of press release that he uh, released. Because, you know, as I as I was doing some research on the story, as I was doing my research on the story, I kept, you know, basically every story was exactly the same because they just took it almost word for word from his press release that he put out. And, um, you know, for, for all I know, 
this was fa- fairly recently that this happened. For all I know, it might be the prelude to him releasing some sensationalistic book or something. That's the whole. That's the whole problem with all this stuff. Is there's so much conjecture. It's like religion. You got to sort of. Everybody's got their own idea of what exactly is going on. Because I obviously I see you've got you've you've got some ideas of as to what's going on. I've got some I, my ideas. I think are far more vague because I just don't know what to believe. But I totally think it's plausible that that somebody could be manipulating our genetics. And it would certainly. All right, well, here, that was, leads into one of my questions I was going to ask you because I'm making notes as you're as you're going along of things that I want to go back and touch on. Here's a big one for you right here. Okay. Now you you mentioned both uh, seeding and active tinkering, and which which side do you fall on? Do you? Th- I mean, I, I assume that you're you. I seem I, to think that there's something more on that that you know that it was that yeah you know, uh, that the seeding. Sort of falls into the panspermia argument of like maybe there was some you know there was this genetic there was the seeds of life float through space and find their way onto planets you know on comets and stuff like that which is possible but it seems to me just from the from what you can piece together of what's going on in the in UFO world that it's an ongoing process whatever it is you know it wasn't just like okay we'll drop a seed on here and then go away it was more like right. it, you know and they may have dropped the seed i personally think that that you know if there's something's going on we're probably a native species that's been tinkered with or you know there's lots of lots and lots of mythologies about humans mating with the gods you know with human god hanky panky going on which you know, if if you put that in a in an alien context, could be, you know, all kinds of genetic fiddle faddle. So who, you know, it's I'm not going to say it's it's definitely going on, but it's 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 there's a good chance that it's involved. Something, you know, the whole UFO phenomena is really is really weird, and I tend to think of all of it in a more interdimensional sort of way. Rather than the whole like you know spaceship flying to Earth, sort right, of now thing. you're getting into Indiana Jones and the <laughs> exactly what to call it the the crystal skull. And bullshit. I think and I think that and I think their take on it was a little more literalist than mine is. But yeah, I definitely look as the at the phenomena as being more, um, you know, I mean, there's there's the Whitley Stryber take on it. There's there's, you know, you have anywhere from your straight-up um, literalist. When you get to literalist, that's where you mostly, when you're dealing with, like, when you hear people who are in the mainstream media talking about UFOs or, you know, most people's ideas of them, and you start getting, like, say, your famous people who've seen UFOs, like your Buzz Aldrin's, your Jimmy Carter's, John Lennon's, Ronald Reagan. You know, big, you know, well-respected people who've seen UFOs and said, "I've seen a UFO." They're usually, you know, you never, you know, they're usually talking about it as I saw, as you know, it was a metal craft type thing. So then you're you're talking in the sort of science fiction concept, a very literal concept, and I think the whole UFO world mixes together with with Jungian psychology and people's 
people's perceptions of the universe and the mass unconscious and inner dimensions and you know, other dimensions and interdimensional travel and stuff like that to the point of where I be, I'm a personal believer in reality being pretty malleable, you know, and, and uh, there's, there's constants in reality, but there's also things that can be changed by perception and stuff. And I think the UFOs, you know, they, they, they're crossing in that line. And when you start going into ancient astronauts and stuff, you might want to take into consideration, like, stories of leprechauns and demons and angels and all the, all the and gnomes and all that weird stuff that, you know, could... could uh, and that sort of stuff could be tied into the same phenomena that make people see... UFOs nowadays, you know. Well, I mean, here's an angle I, I I don't think that I've ever heard, or, or at least I've heard bits and pieces of it, but never quite connected this way. It, it's sort of what I guess you would call the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy scenario. Uh huh. Is all right. Say that there Earth existed, you know, thousands, millions, however many years ago, and it had a native species somewhere between apes and men some somewhere in that that yes. range not quite apes anymore not quite people yet and something happened on mars where basically we lived as pretty close to what we are right now maybe a little more advanced and then we came from mars we came from mars and we are the ancient astronauts Something happened to well, where, through either the process of co-mingling with the sub-people that were here, or a natural disaster not long after we got here, whatever, correct. something happened to dumb people down and to basically lose the skills and technology that they... Because here's, here's the thing with the ancient astronauts that fascinates me the most is... And, and you can... You can check this out with places like uh, Puma Punku in Bolivia, where they have there basically the ruins of a structure that was either built or in the process of being built or something. I mean, just go online and, and Google Puma Punku. This is a real place where they have all this material there that basically we couldn't do today. At a time when humanity was supposed to be basically fresh out of the caves or sure. fresh out of the trees. You know, no language, no art, right. no, you know, practical skills other than, you know, this was a time that we were supposed to be clubbing women in the head and dragging huh. them back to the cave. How the fuck did they build things that basically it would have took, taken diamond-tipped tools well, to create? I think... Perfect perfectly straight lines you know precision 80, 80 ton pieces of rocks yeah form, form fitted to each other well i think i think to a degree we underestimated i know you know they've definitely always have been found you know they've been finding that our ancient ancestors were pretty much as smart as us they just didn't have a lot of the resources and the communication as us but at the same time they were you know, early civilizations were, way, they're starting to find we're way more mathematically advanced than we than we've taken them to be. So, a lot of it might come to underestimating 
them, but another part of it comes, I think, yeah. from arrogance of we can't believe that they could be so smart. But you know, I mean, uh, uh, by another, by a whole other token, you know, we don't, we don't have a time machine, and our, and you know, the thing is, artifacts really don't last long, and bones don't. Re we're we're lucky to get any kind of fossil record. So everything is conjecture. We. We could have had many advanced. We could have had civilizations that have evolved beyond our advancement here, and then got and, wiped and then out. got wiped out. And there's no yeah. trace See, of them because of the amount of time that those materials have just turned to dust. I'll and, buy that. I mean, that's and, why I say so, I'm not exactly ready to sign on the line when it comes to guys like von Daniken. And although I do personally, like you say, want well, to believe. That scenario is what what I call the Roddenberry versus the alien scenario. Yes. Where Roddenberry is very famously quoted saying, "You know, no, you know, ancient astronauts didn't build the pyramids. Human beings built the pyramids yeah, because we're smart and yeah. I, you know, half of me, it's like you said, that is a half and half argument because half of me wants to say, "Goddamn right! Look what we have done. We made it to the moon." Half of me wants to say that, but the other half of me that worked retail for almost 20 years says, <laughs> no, human beings are fucking retarded. I've worked with these assholes, you know, and, and, and I get worked up about it. And so that's well, by that, by that, that sort of works into, into the pyramid thing. But the people at the top of the pyramid are smart enough that they can get all the dumb people to build their pyramid for them. <laughs> well, see, I, I this personally – This is like working at Walmart, you know. You get the dumb, the, the dumb people are, are sort of working the – well, you See, know, I, it never works out that way in the real corporate world, but, you know, you... In this discussion, I personally, uh, off my personal theoretical table, I took the pyramids off it. Because the pyramids yeah. is one of those things where, for one, I just don't know enough about it. You know, I've never been there naturally and, and all that, but I don't know enough about it and actually don't have enough interest. So I don't have what I guess you considered even a, yeah. a halfway informed opinion, well, other than the fact I could lean either way. I well, look at it and go... Let, let, let's put it, you know, Easter Island, right? And oh, yeah, how, how the whole story is, nobody knows how they put up those... Well, well, you know, somebody eventually asked the natives, they said... How did, you, did did how did you do you guys know how your ancestors did that they're like oh yeah we know how they did it we still know how to do it and they showed them how they did you know they they showed them where how they took a piece of rock out of the quarry and how they rolled it down to where it had to be and did whatever they had to do and raised up a new head they said oh yeah it's a traditional thing nobody had asked up till that point and nobody wanted to know because it was more interesting as uh, right. to have UFOs plopping them down and that's where you got to watch out with this with this stuff that being said, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not out to debunk anything either. I'm not out <laughs> to go. You sound like you are. Well, that's because I'm a skeptic, but I'm not like, I have to prove all this wrong because it can't be true. Because I, re you know, I've seen enough fucked up weird shit to, to know that, you know, I, that, you know, people with this, you know, people are like, science is the only way to go. And other people are like, emotion, religion is the only way to go. And there's got to be a. Uh, point in between where the truth yeah. lies and um, you know I can I can totally see the whole genetic I mean there's there's something going on with that and I think we should take a break but I'd like to come back um, with the whole Anunnaki uh, Sumerian Nibiru sort of story which is sort of going into uh, what you were just talking about <laughs> We interrupt this record to bring you a special bulletin. 
The reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. The flying saucers are real. That was the Clatters recording. Too real. We switch you now to our on-the-spot reporter downtown. Come on, baby, let's go downtown. Take it away, John Cameron Cameron. Uh, this is John Cameron Cameron downtown. Uh, pardon me, madam, would you tell our audience what would you do if the saucer were to land? Thank you. Another thing, gentlemen, there. What I'm gonna do is hard to tell. Uh, the gentleman with the guitar, what would you do, sir? Would you take a Thank you. We return you now. This is Black, your outer space disc jockey, with a request for Earth. Earth Angel, Earth Angel. That was the Pelican's outer space recording Earth. I've just been handed a bulletin. The flying saucer has just landed. We switch you again downtown. Uh, here we are again. We have with us Professor Sir Cedric Fentingmold of the British Institute. And the professor is approaching his saucer to see if there's possibly any sign of life aboard. Well, I'm sure something. Are you there? I hear you now, yeah. But you can't come in. That was Laughing Lewis's record. Knocking. This is John Cameron Cameron on the spot. And now I believe we're about to hear the words of the first spaceman ever to land on Earth. La, ba, boom, ba, la, ba, boom. And now, here are the bowl scores. Four to three, six to two, and eight to one. The impact of seeing the first spaceman has this reporter reeling. Here I go. That was the Clatters again with their big one. Ha! Oh! This is John Cameron Cameron again downtown. The spaceman has returned to his ship and is taking off. We return you now to our studios. The flying saucer has gone. There is no threat of an invasion. However, the flying saucers are still around. Just talking about Scott had started had reminded me of the the whole Nibiru thing, that, which is sort of a, a big. I don't know if it's a big deal now, but it seems to be one of the main UFO things that's getting covered now. You know, nowadays it's the tre- you know how it, uh, you know ten years ago it was Hailbop and the tale of Hailbop, and well now it's Nibiru is the next sort of apocalyptic UFO cult idea, story, and it stems from ancient Sumerian texts about the Anunnaki people who it alternates between whether they were giants or really big people or lizard people, but they were a more advanced race and they're from a planet that's at a a sort of opposite orbit of the sun than us. So the, the, the planet Nibiru, which the Anunnaki live on, comes close to the earth every 3600 years and it's due for another one soon i can't remember exactly what year it is i'm is gonna guess 2012 trouble? i'm gonna guess 2012 because that's also the, another big deal now is you know the 
the the the year 2012 is when something you know and it's always getting pushed back when we were in high school one of the things where big things was going to happen was the uh, harmonic convergence and uh that happened while we were in high school and you know the new age people are like when the harmonic convergence that's going to bring in the new age and people are going to open up their third eye and there's always something coming and 2012 is the next you know 2000 was the you know the turn of the century was another big time for people to have you know apocalyptic raptures or whatever coming but, uh, well, as long as we get the Avengers movie before the world right. ends, that's that. Well, that was thing. one of the. I was I was hoping that Lucas would get all three Star Wars movies out before the end of the world, so it's all gravy from now on. Well, anyway, <laughs> the Sumerians, you know, depicted the last time the Anunnaki came to Earth, um, and every time, of course, this happens, their planet comes very close to ours, and it causes all sorts of problems, floods and such because of the interplay of our gravity fields and magnetic fields. So, you know, there's there's always great change associated with, you know, disaster and the Anunnaki are also um, have been tinkering with our genetics. You know, there's they, they definitely came and made hybrids um, during their last few spins around the block when they meet up with us. So, you know, there's there's all um, there's this guy, I think his name's Jebediah Sitchins. His his last name's Sitchins. Jeremiah or Jebediah, I think it's Jebediah Sitchins that is a, a, you know, been writing a lot of books about this and uh, and uh, you know, there's some Sumerian texts that have depictions of the uh, solar system that, you know, are way beyond what we were, they were supposed to, you know, they've got Pluto in them and the proportions and the orbits of all the planets are correctly, but then there's this extra planet, which is Nibiru, you know, which also makes me think, well, maybe their depiction isn't as accurate as people think, because there's an extra planet in it. But, you, you know, when you, when you, you can adjust your facts to fit. But that's sort of the big thing now. That's sort of the thing that explains to, to people now who are involved in that, the the genetic undercurrent of of ufology and the to me that seems to be the common thread that runs from now to ancient astronauts is an interest in human beings and it's and now it's um you know in the old days it was they would come down and mate with the humans and today it's you know when somebody is is uh brought on board an alien spaceship they're they're test you know they're taking their hairs and they're, they're probing them and taking, you know, from Barney and Betty Hill upward, it was, you know, let us insert this into your belly button, let us scrape a little piece of skin off. And there's also the stories of the people who've seen the alien-human hybrids that they're growing in their incubators on the spaceships and stuff like that. So there's always been this theme of them mixing with us and us being them, you know. that w That's always a big... Um, punchline for a ufologist that'll talk you know at the end of their you know at the end of the third hour on our bell and they'll be going and then we find out that we are really them you know and that's the that's a big always a big punchline in uh mission to mars the that that movie that was the punchline of mission to mars and uh so there's a running theme of that sort of going through our history so maybe there's something to that you know 
Well, I think it, I think it could very possibly, we, we could end up finding out that, I, you know, your idea of, of civilizations that have, have risen and fallen. Sure. You know, I, I definitely believe that. I mean, there's guys like, uh, like Cremo and I, I'm desperate to read his book, Forbidden Archaeology, because it touches on things, you know, a, a lot of people may not realize that there, there are a lot of, historians and archaeologists that have basically been ostracized from their their communities you know in, in which they work by exploring avenues that are forbidden by conventional science right and this guy being one of them because there are things that somebody in power you know be it the the catholic church or whatever doesn't want us to know about our prehistory and, you know, every culture in the world has, you know, flood myths and things like that, you know, like, like the biblical flood and things like that. And, you know, there's the story of Atlantis that more and more has, has gained credibility over the years that people think that there actually may have really been something to this story, that it right. wasn't just somebody's fantasy novel, that, that something like it did really exist yeah. where there was advanced technology the civilization through some calamity was destroyed and the inhabitants were dispersed right. to the to the four winds you know so whether it's metaphorical that, or whatever there seems to be some instead of it being just a story that someone made up there seems to be some history to it in some right. way or another yes and i think that that the idea of of the forbidden archaeology scenario of of civilizations that have risen to at least our level of technology possibly much higher and then been lost and, and destroyed and and little to no evidence is left of them i think that that could very very easily totally tie in to the idea of humanity or some form of something like humanity coming from Mars or a neighboring planet and, and t you know, totally tie in. Because what if something did happen on Mars or, or better yet, I'll give you like a, a Krypton scenario. What if the intelligences on Mars, these, these sort of human people got, uh, you know, Jor-El came to the council one day and said, look, you know, in, in 20 years, Mars is going to be destroyed. We got to get the fuck out of here. They took off, came to Earth. And then the calamity that befell Mars somehow also affected the Earth to where they survived and they weren't wiped out like they would have been on Mars, but they were knocked back to the Stone Age. Right. They might know? have lost some of their – they might have lost – because here's the thing. If, if, there's a, if there's a cataclysm here, we're going to lose some of our knowledge. But oh, yeah. Just by the sheer fact of if a lot of people die, some of them are going to be – like you know, engineers who know you know you know how how I can't make a circuit board, you know. Well, I mean, there there is historical precedent for this. Sure. I mean, imagine if you know it, it's been long predicted that one day there's going to come a shift on the planet to where you know one day there may no there may not be electricity anymore, or at least not in the in the sense that we're using it today. Sure. Now, take a moment and stop and think what would happen if suddenly, 
you know, while you're sleeping tonight, you wake up in the morning and everything that runs on electricity suddenly doesn't work anymore. It's useless. What, you know, what the hell would happen to the world? I mean, a, a, a thousand years from that point, you know, that civilization could very easily look back at us today the way we look at back at the ancient Egyptians and wonder... Sure. What, what, what went the wrong? fuck were they all about, you know? <laughs> yeah, what went wrong, you know? Oh, well, not sure. necessarily what went wrong, but... What happened you to know, <laughs> if, if all of our history for the past, you know... All right, well, I'll give you a better scenario. Say, say 100 years from right now, there's a calamity that suddenly there's no more electricity. You know, in the next 100 years, you can imagine that everything as far as media and written word and, and all of that is going to be electronically stored on data banks in computers. You know, on floppy, di uh, I mean, on, uh, right. on hard disks and, and backup drives and all this sort of thing. You know, that very, you know, we're already seeing it happen to where fewer and fewer people are writing shit down or, right. or making hard copy prints or even books. Right. I mean, everything's on a hard drive these right. days. And that's if all sudden, that all that knowledge is gone. Right, like, exactly. If suddenly human brains years aren't now, big enough to in the old days people could just memorize the few books that were around and pass them on and memorize the stories of the culture. Right. Nowadays so that's such a huge easily, amount because it's accumulated from the past. Yeah, that if yeah, if society went down, a lot of that information is gone and has right. to be re pieced together, it, rediscovered. You know, you're going to have to, you know, in the in the future, somebody's going to have to fill in a lot of blanks. Some bit, you know, the people right. who have the big brains engineering wise and quantum I mean, you physics could, you wise. You could very easily imagine that that if 100 years from now in the year 2109, boom, no more electricity. Yep. We're, we're knocked back to like a like a what, like a 17th century technology yeah. Yeah. that that by the year. 4,000, you know, 4,109, 2,000 years later, we might just be creeping back up to this level of technology again. Those people are going to look back and have very little sure. to go on on what the hell were we all about, you know? Sure. What, what is the Statue of Liberty? Who, who the hell is that? You know, what is the Washington Monument? You know, it's this, this weird, you know, monolith, you know, and, and, you know, things like that are going to be their pyramids, their, sure. you know, their uh, Puma Punkus and stuff right. th that they're going to look back and wonder what, what the hell. Right. And a hard, and a hard drive on a computer is just going to be this weird fused piece of metal that they're not going to be able to, they're going to be like, well, you know, maybe they'll figure out it was some sort of, you know, vessel for the storage of, you know, memory, you know, maybe they might figure out its use. But they're not going to be able to retrieve the information off it. It's going to be crumbled to dust by then. You know, it's going right. to be gone. And then they'd have to just, you know, uh, figure out the whole language. You know, no, it's just it would be, you know, yeah. Uh, it's 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 a shame that a lot of our information has not been a lot of stuff now. That the the whole hard copy of things aspect of things is sort of getting lost in the in the shuffle. But um. Yeah. I want to go way, way back to something you said near the beginning of the show. Okay. About, you know, an advanced society and their ethics. Because right. 
while it's nice to think that if suddenly a, a UFO landed in Times Square or on the White House lawn or whatever tomorrow, that, you know, outsteps, you know, E.T. or ALF, you know, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is using, you know, what we have to go on for historical precedent, which is every time in in Earth world history that an advanced civilization has met up with a primitive civilization the primitive civilization has pretty much gotten fucked over yeah and i think that you know you're you're looking at extremes you're not even looking at you know you know whatever 15th century english people coming over to the americas you're looking at people that are more than likely tens of thousands, if not millions of years more advanced, suddenly coming up against us in our present state of technology. Right. And and I think that they're, they're looking at us they, as like as natives of darkest Africa that have never seen another civilization before. Exactly. They're looking exactly. at us as the most primitive savages. And they may be extremely – I mean I like to think of myself as a pretty much middle-of-the-road ethical person. Right. Yeah, I might do some, some shit I shouldn't from time to time, but I never fucking killed nobody. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're, you're, yeah, you're a normal so human like, being. That's Exactly. I like to think of myself but, as a normal human being. I wouldn't – But generally you know, good. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. But at the same rate, I have no no qualms whatsoever about putting – you know. You know, killer ant. Or I mean, uh, ant killer stuff out on the lawn. Right. <laughs> I don't think that genociding people... a whole ant nest. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, killing an entire civilization. You know, so I don't think in the in the long run that if these people are that far ahead of us, that they have moral qualms with coming here and fucking with us. I, yeah. I just don't think they oh, do. Oh no. I think or that using, so far they've been... using us as a using us for some purpose that 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 benefits them and not necessarily benefits us using us right. as a resource basically I mean if they sure. are truly coming here and they're truly doing things I think so far we've been goddamn lucky because yeah. we could be treated like the the you know if there's really something yeah. to the whole cattle mutilation story we could be being treated that way Oh sure I think and there's I a lot still... of evidence that we're being that there's ones that are you know Jedi Yodas that are benevolent good, you know, advanced races that want to, like, keep us, that are trying to nurture us along the path of of evolution and advancement, and, you know, and that there's a good possibility that there's also ones like David Icke's reptilians that want to peel their face back and chow down babies, you know, well, you just and played feed very, off fear. Without even knowing it, you just very played very nicely into really uh, one of my last points, which Excellent. was... Uh, which was about oh actually I had one more point to make about the uh, the conquistador scenario yes is uh, you know back during World War two you know in the in the heat of that battle we set up bases in primitive situations on some of the Pacific Isles you know where there were people on these these islands that pretty much existed out of time with the rest of the planet yes. You know, and suddenly they're seeing airplanes come out of the sky and land on their little islands. Uh-huh. And forming cargo cults. Exactly. And, 
you know, and then when the war, war was over and they fly off and abandon these bases, you know, you've got entire religions that sprang up overnight based on the fact that, you know, one, you know, the gods had, had one day oh, stopped yeah. by and now they were gone. And I think that's very, very good modern day evidence for the whole alien scenario. It's, it's this, it's the exact same story that's being told, sure. you know, by, by civilizations and by religions all over the world that, you know, the gods touched down, gave man something and then split and left a yep. big mystery. You know, it, it's the exact same story in a fairly modern context. I, I think that's, you know, that's a very compelling uh, bit of evidence, right? Think, a compelling argument anyway. I think there's there's a good argument for, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the, the idea of UFOs and aliens also being us, ourselves, maybe in, maybe in a point where we've evolved beyond time and space or where time and space are something... That, that we've crossed an interdimensional barrier and now we're we're sort of you know since we've maybe evolved to come to the point of where we don't see time and space as being as linear from a linear point of view as we are now if you take time and space as being the idea of a movie where you have a piece of film right and it's frame by frame by frame and then you got the person who's, you know, you got the people on the film, which is us right now. We're writing in the movie. And then you've got somebody who can look at it as a reel, you know, from frame by frame. And if we ever evolve to the point of where we can look at time and space from an objective point, then maybe, you know, we're messing with our own d genetics and our own history and ourselves to fulfill some, you know, sort of... Um, balance and harmony of the universe or something who knows who knows it could be i tend to to um um gravitate towards the interdimensional aspect of it whereas you know what was per perceived as gods and demons and angels and gnomes and and monsters and ghosts you know have come in this time to be perceived as spacemen and stuff like that, that that whatever is happening is interconnected with our perception of what it is so it may be beings from another dimension that are um, that either manifest themselves or are influenced by our perception of them so they come off as being spaceships you know instead of uh, a, a long ship of the gods that come down it's still the basic idea is the same but the way that it that it presents itself in the context of our belief system is different you know so you know they're they're, they're communicating to us and appearing in a way uh, which is a very star trek you know most a lot of the advanced people in Star Trek and also to save money on budget you know since you could cast just a, a regular bipedal human was to say no nah, I now manifest myself in in a way that you would be comfortable with you know but if you could see my true nature I would be you know you would not understand and I think there's an aspect of that involved in it but uh, I definitely see you know, I can definitely see that something's been going on so as long as human beings, as long as we have been able to track 
human beings, you know, as long as they've kept some sort of history or draw, you know. But then again, those there's there's plenty of cave drawings with UFO things flying around in the sky. But I still will never make the leap to say that's a UFO, you know, because you don't know. You weren't there in the old days, so you don't know what they meant when they drew it. But there's, you know, there's a lot of circumstantial and anecdotal evidence to, to, to really back up that something's been going on with us and these beings for a long time. And I've got stories of my own that are just weird that sort of play into the whole interdimensional stuff, you know, that's too long to go into those stories anyway, but, um, well, you had you had touched on something where you know that that you said something to the effect that you thought that there might be more than one uh, race or more than one kind of being out there that we might be be looking at, and that's that's always an angle of it too that that's intrigued me because you know according to the to the Lear uh, scenario, the Lear disclosure briefing scenario um, in 1954, President Eisenhower. Uh, met with a representative of a of a an alien species that suggested that they could help us get rid of uh, what's you know known as like the classic gray alien you know basically right. the, the the bad guy aliens, but that Eisenhower uh, turned them down because they didn't offer us anything you know they didn't they basically they didn't they didn't come like the like the gods of old. You know, with, with bringing yeah. gifts for humanity, so we basically told them to piss yeah. off. Yeah, we said, "Are you gonna?" Play? Yeah, we were like, "Are you gonna play ball with us or not?" Yeah, right. And, Which and, you is know, logical. I would see a government reacting in such a way, so that makes it even more plausible. You know, I think it's very plausible, but I also wonder if somewhere, either post this meeting, or somewhere even in our ancient past. See, my, my big thing about this is I wonder about the nature of the beasts, you know, the mm-hmm. beasts, plural. You know, I wonder who exactly are we dealing with here and what exactly are they up to? Well, when you start gathering alien abduction and alien media, people who've met aliens or seen aliens and you start dividing it up, it usually works into like at least like seven or eight different kind, but there's like... Rep, the, peop, the ones that look like reptiles there's the classic gray there's sort of these Nordic uh, Swedish you know Thor sort of looking right. ones and some people will see them all mixed together and you know I mean to me like the grays almost seem like to me like there's some sort of weird puppet creature where there may be like the manifestation of an interdimensional creature and they're like well, if we want to interact with humans, we have to interact with them in a physical body. So the greys might be these sort of temporary, spongy, you know, sort of like puppet creatures that are inhabited. Because people always describe them as being robotic and, we're, you know, just weird. And they just sound like something fake. You know, they sound like something that's getting used as a sort of proxy or a robot almost. And there, but there's so many aspects. There's these, you know, um, there were these big sort of clay-like that looked for, um, for all intent and purposes, like Gort sort of things, and and Bigfooty-looking creatures. You know, there's you can find, you know, depending on on what belief system of and what flavor and 
race of you know UFO believer you're talking to you know they have all different categories and all the different you know agendas and supposed right. agendas and it changes from person to person it's just like a religion everybody's got their own sort of belief system as to what's going on well I got it. in a discussion with with someone who was of a very religious bent not long ago on this very subject uh-huh. and while most sensible people will avoid conversations like that, like the plague, and probably <laughs> rightly so. You walk into I, a face first. Well, sometimes I do because I, I, I like do too. I like to try to get the other side of the story. I like to try to understand I find the these other, conversations the other, to be the real meaty conversations that you can get into, and I don't understand why people like to run away from them. Just well, I, I find that nothing will help you understand a person's mind faster than, than discussions <laughs> yeah. on you know the natures of man and and where religion fits into that and yeah. sometimes sometimes political discussions although more often than not political discussions will just leave yeah. me exasperated with how stupid i think the person is ultimately but yeah and the, and the, but, and them doing the same thing yeah but i mean i can totally understand religious bents having come from a very religious upbringing so I, I like to but what's fun for me to see is the programming inherent and how these people don't even realize that they've been programmed and and right. they totally don't believe it when you try to point point it out to them but anyway i got into this discussion with somebody the other day and because the the thing you're talking about with the nordics and the grays and all this sort of thing uh, basically i've broken it down into to, to two personal pet theories of mine one is what i would call the war which uh -huh. is all of these these people are after us because they're wanting to, us to take a side in something that's going on on their level. Right. Call it call it for lack of a better term, call it the angels and demons level yes. that is happening all around us, but we can't see it. It's like in the Star Star Wars comics when the Rebel Alliance was going world to world trying to you know exactly get the, get the Ewoks to join, get everybody to join the Rebel Alliance, and, and exactly. we're, we're, we're yeah. And we may not be smart enough or advanced enough for them to overtly go, okay, people of Earth, but they're, yeah, they're trying to tip the balance or feel us out or at and, least and keep the, their toes in before the bad guys get their toes too far in. Right. And the other one, and this actually probably ties in very closely with with the whole the war scenario, is another scenario I just call the Pantheon scenario, whereas this, this is where the argument fell with the religious guy I was talking to not long ago. He couldn't understand. Yeah, I guess what hung him up was I kept using the word God and gods. And to a religious person, like like of a Catholic, right. you know, like of a Roman Catholic derived God religion. God means a certain thing. God means the, the dude. You know, Space the daddy. ultimate, yeah. exactly, the ultimate level of creator. Right. What I was talking about, what I was trying to express to him is that I have a very fervent belief that the gods, plural, of old, say your Norse gods, your Greek gods, your Roman right. gods, your Aztec gods, whatever, I think, by and large, these people, these beings really existed. Now, am I talking like li there was a literal Hercules and there was a literal Thor and there was a literal, literal Zeus? No, not necessarily. But I think that the beings existed that became them over the course of mythology right. and storytelling. Right. I think these beings I, – see, I think that there are levels of being between human being, 
and God, the man God. I, I think that there are, I mean, there, the Bible yes. even says that there's angels and demons. So if there's angels, demons, human beings, and God, why are we re restricted to just those? Why couldn't there be other levels of being, other, other, sure. uh, you know, life forms, for lack of a better term, between your average guy right. and God. And I like think in, that like that's... In the, like in the Indian Mahabharata, you know, the whole story of all that, yeah, of the, the, basically the Mahabharata, which is a, the, a, similar to, you know, Bible stories, was a whole story about the gods warring over Earth. Yes, you know, yeah, okay, I know what you're being, talking about. Yeah. Being, I think it was in that History Channel yeah, upon yeah. that history channel but that's like a lot of the indian religion is just stories of the gods battling other gods over the earth you know and basically humanity just being sort of the pawns stuck in the involved middle, yeah. in there but also humanity was also mating with the you know there were gods mating with the humans and you know it was just sort of like there was this war over earth and as since they were battling over earth sometimes the gods were also like fraternizing with the natives so you ended up with with that going on which is you know I mean, totally plot you know totally works into a literal ufo story you know right well, i mean i realized that you know being being a science fiction guy being a comic book guy especially enjoying books like say thor right leaves me susceptible to really being able to buy into scenarios like that but i, I think having that it's what's called I think it's an imagination yeah i think well it, it, you know having an imagination but i think i don't think the idea is so fantastic that there no. could be unseen realms all around us where where beings exist and and things go on and wars are fought and civilizations sure. rise and fall that we are totally unaware of real or metaphorical yeah, that that you know, from time to time, cross over to our plane, and whether it's to mate with the natives or abduct sure. the natives or brutally, you know, well, here's uh, the thing. mutilate the natives. I think that these things can and do happen. Here's the thing that I this is one of the problems I have with with religion or anything any anything that says this is the way it is. All right, say you know you're following a prophet. Or say even this, you are a prophet. Say you are one of those people who hears God speak to you in however, whatever manner, real or metaphorical, that God speaks to people. You know, there's people who say, God speaks to me, you know, I, ask, I prayed for guidance on, you know, whether I should, you know, get this piece of metal removed from my scalp or not, and, you know, and before I went to bed and, you know, I have a railroad <laughs> spike embedded in my brain and I went to bed and prayed to God that he would, you know, tell me what to do. And when I woke up, you know, I thought to myself, you know, you really need to get this railroad spike out of your brain. And hallelujah, that was God answering me to the people who like a bush goes, you know, Pete Hesh. Yes, you, Pete Hesh. It is me, God. You know, you've got to stop drinking and, and take off all your clothes and walk down the street with this flag made to my specifications, one cubit by, you know, and then you go do it. You know, from what, that one extreme to the other makes me wonder why people, if someone said in your brain right now, Scott Gardner, it's God, blah, blah, blah. Why would you, you know, why do you have to necessarily believe that? <laughs> Why do people always take that as, as fact? 
Why, why don't people, you know, where is the Kirk factor where they go, wait a minute, why does God need a spaceship? You know, that's what I always wonder is why people don't go, wait a minute, why does God need money? <laughs> what does God need money for? Or, or whatever, you know? So the, the, the people who are the people who are like channeling, I'm channeling space aliens, you know, I'm channeling Rael from the planet blah 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 I think which is the Billy Myers Pleiadians cult you know the 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 the, the people from the Pleiades and their their spokesman Rael who only talks through people who he possesses that are you know why people since if that happens to them or you hear a voice in your head I mean a wouldn't you first think am I crazy my first thought was I need to go get an MRI. Right, 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 right. And then B, wouldn't you think, all right, so he says it's God, but how do I know it's not, you know, interdimensional, you know, Daktuku creature that lives in Dimension X with his interdimensional radio going, <coughs> Scott Gardner, this is God. You know, it's not the well, equivalent I mean, I, of know, it's not the equivalent of Trelane from Star Trek, a twelve-year-old. Well, kid. along with wondering if there's some some you know alien or, or, or interdimensional creature out there with just a perverse sense of humor, playing basically a version of cosmic you know prank call. Right. There's also the side of me that has read enough science fiction and horror stories where you know some some supervillain gets duped into holding a seance and the next thing you know, he's released Cthulhu into our dimension right. to fucking destroy everything. Right. So, you know, there's, there's that side of it too, that wonder, you know, cause I, like I, like I say, I, as I get older, more and more of, of my idea of this whole thing tends to lean towards the sinister rather than the, the benevolent. Yes. I just think that, that, you know, what they're doing ain't good for us you know it might be just fine for whatever their ultimate deal is mm -hmm. for themselves or hell it might be just be a thing where there's some sort of you know immortal godlike race and don't have anything better to do with yeah. the, within the fuck with the amoebas you know i mean it could be that type of thing but one way or the other i don't it's, think it's, it's not being it's done to nice help us for, right. exactly it's not in our best interest you know i don't think that our best interest is necessarily being taken into any account yes. whatsoever. Yes, I'm. 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 Say, I, I. I'm. I am of a tendency to agree with you. Maybe not as sinister as like they're doing it for evil purposes or against us, but that we're just yeah, we're just a tool in it. And it. It's. It. Hey, it may work in our benefit, but if it does, it's not because it was meant to do that. It's just a happy accident, maybe you know, a happy side well, effect I, of I use whatever evil and test. sinister in the sense that I I firmly believe. I mean, that if I, we I had a choice it, of it, we would choose not to be involved well, in. Not it. just not just that is that okay? Take take it to the ultimate scenario that they created us. That they've toyed with us all along, uh -huh. and eventually, if 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 you use kind of a, a scientist analogy in all this, ultimately, what happens when the experiment is over? That's the part of it that yeah. worries me the most. Is what happens when they go, <laughs> okay, well, uh, experiment number one one three eight has played out. Um, I, I, go wash out this petri dish yeah. and let's start over on, on this. I have a friend who used to work in a monkey lab, and I can tell you what the end of experiments 
are <laughs> and it's yeah it's euthanasia <laughs> it's that's u- euthanasia and and burn the corpse <laughs> you know so you know it's it's euthanasia thorough autopsy <laughs> you know a few a few samples and then and then yep then burn burn the corpse so that was pretty much the plot of 3001 by Clark, Arthur C. Clark, is that uh, it was basically determined in that book that one of the messages that was sent out in 2001, I believe it was in 2001, somewhere in the course of that series of books, there was a message that was sent out and they, they eventually figure out what it is, is that the experiment is over. And we basically had not progressed enough to satisfy whoever the the aliens were behind the monolith and all. You know, basically, whoever was behind the entire story of that had made a judgment call. And they were basically coming to wash out the Petri dish. Right, we were a failed experiment. Exactly. And that's the scenario... I believe that's a great starting the, point for a book. <laughs> well, I think that's I, I think that's it's pretty much dead on. I think that is ultimately the scenario that the the powers at be you know that be in in the United States government anyway. That's trying to keep us. Well, I think something else to consider is you know when you consider you know human nature and the fact yeah. that, that that we're not we're not white mice and we're not monkeys that we're human that's beings. That's up for debate. Well, you know what I'm, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that. What, what I'm saying is <laughs> uh, do we become dangerous now when we're aware of the puppet master? You know what I mean? If do you're we, the puppet we... master, we sure are. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. If you're the puppet master, you don't want that. You don't want the puppet to know. You don't want exactly. the puppet to. I mean, I haven't read three, the three thousand and one of Space Odyssey, but I love that precept that like we're a failed experiment because I love the underdog story. <laughs> so if there's like somebody that's like coming to wash a petri dish clean, and we manage to survive it, which I bet you we do at the end of the Arthur's since it's a science fiction story he probably doesn't end it with and then they dumped alcohol all over the earth and killed everybody the end so so you know it would be a cool story about sort of an experiment gone wrong either like talking their way you know somehow convincing their master that they were either worthy or somehow evading being wiped out and thus proving themselves worthy in the larger scale of evolution or whatever but uh yeah, that's that's good in a science fiction novel, but uh, I don't know. The, the The problem is, is nobody knows what the agent, what the real motivation behind it is. You know, I mean, there I, there's so many stories. There's a lot of people who totally will tell you, and I met a lot of them. I used to work at a, I used to work in a rock mine mining crystals. And would sell them to New Age people who would come there, flock there, and they all had, you know, stories that they were, you know, when when you would talk to people, their belief system, they believed, 
you know, that to be the truth. So you would have people saying, well, you know, the greys, the problem with the greys is they're, you know, their genetics are starting to degrade. They're a very old species and they're having a lot of genetic problems. That's why they're, you know, that's why they're trying to make human gray hybrids. They're trying to get some of our humans have, you know, the, the story with a lot of these people is that human beings are potentially one of the most advanced races in the universe, but we're being sort of kept down and we're also highly prized that there's a war being fought over our genetics because our genetics are highly prized because they have all these, you know, positive traits that the rest of the universe wants. So there's benevolent beings trying to keep the bad beings from swiping our DNA and also trying to preserve our DNA and the greys are trying to, you know, to ensure the survival of their species by getting some of our DNA to fix their bad DNA and you know, then there's the ones, and then there's, you know, people who are like, well, you know, they, they made us to be a slave species and they're just waiting for our population to get to the right number <laughs> to have enough of us <laughs> to come and load into spaceships and either, t you know, whatever, be made into hamburger or go to work on space pyramids or whatever. You know, so, I mean, your imagination really is the only limit to what the motivations good or bad are to what's going on but it seems like something's going on and it seems to have something to do with humans well i guess we're going to sort of end this show now anyway because it's gone on to about as much time as we we've set out to do and it could go on forever so um i'm just going to cut it at that point that we uh that we ended there and would just like to say scott sort of had a little ending uh thought and uh Please get back to us with any any ideas you guys have. Dying to hear what you think. Absolutely. Well, the thing for me, it, it all comes down to kind of a you know what what kind of approach you want to take to the whole thing. I, I think by sticking too uh, rigidly to any sort of belief system, that you run the risk of of not having an open mind to not leaving yourself open to breaking news, so to speak. And I think a lot of people, you know, you had said, Chris, that you, you thought that a, a lot of people will then try to, to fit the new facts into whatever their, their theory is right. or whatever, whatever their working faith is. But I don't think so. I think more, more people, especially those of a really strong religious faith will spend a, a hell of a lot of time and energy trying to, to, to debunk or, or just or shove to, them under the carpet. Yeah. They, they don't want to face the new facts right. or they don't want to face the, the new information. But the, the flip side, the, the part of it that worries me is then not having a faith in anything, not, not being able to embrace any belief because then you become jaded you you become you know a, a person that because you don't have facts and evidence you have nothing to believe in i think that's kind of a sad way to to, to live your life as well so yeah. I, I guess i don't think I'm there's a to... lot of people that fall into that i think a lot of people i i don't I, I think that's a hard one to fall into because you you're going to believe everybody's going to believe in something whether you're the most hardcore atheist cynic or just by life experience, because you're going to have, just by what's happened to you, you're going to be able to say, okay, this is how I think 
You know, this is how I've experienced life to be. So I think most people have a, a belief system, you know, whether it's just like, I believe in the laws of gravity and survival of the fittest. Well, it's a belief system. It might not have a lot to, like, like say someone who believes in God it, it won't have a lot in of uh, to do in, in the areas of explaining what's going on. But it gives you something to believe in, you know, whether it's you just believe that all humans are scum, you know. Most people for, sort of have something. <laughs> But yeah, I I think the tendency with a lot of people it's and it's a tendency towards laziness and and um, arrogance and not wanting to admit that they could be wrong with what they've believed in or being like I've invested you know so much of my life into believing this and living my life this way that if it's proved wrong now that makes my whole life meaningless, which I don't think is true at all. You know, I think it it if. If you have a complete change, if you find something out that completely blows away your ideas of life, that doesn't mean that when you believe that, that you were, you know, that that was a totally wasted part of your life. It's just part of the learning process. It's, you know. It means you know. didn't have all the information. It means you didn't have all the information and you were living in it. And, you know, why can't you celebrate the fact that you are able to adapt yourself into that new information and into those new discoveries of the world around you rather than try to deny it and just cling on to what's comfortable to yourself. So I think that's a good point to say adios to uh, everybody and uh, adios for now. And uh, I'd love to hear other people's UFO theories and, and uh, theories on life, the universe and everything, even though that's troublemaking shit to talk about. So tell us, and we'll see you next time on Two True Freaks. And who knows what we'll do next time we go into the world of the supernatural. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1 585 COP LURE. That's 1 585 267 5873. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. <laughs> 
But wait, there's more! Two True Freaks is very proud to present a sensational new group. Direct from Boston and performing their new song, Cemetery Eyes, Here's Hatch. You can check Hatch out at myspace.com slash one hatch band. That's myspace.com slash the number one H-A-T-C-H-B-A-N-D. That's myspace.com slash one hatch band, where you can learn more about the band, sample more of their great music, and even buy their new CD. And tell them Two True Freaks sent you. Goodbye, Earth people.